everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. We're in this series called King Jesus. We're looking at the Christmas story. And my prayer for you is that you would take a fresh look at the Christmas story. Matter of fact, that you would take a new look at the Christmas story as though it's your very first look. Because there's something powerful that happens when you look at something for the first time. When you experience something for the first time, something incredible happens. And so it is with a story. So it is with a book. I have a good friend of mine who has mentored me in, in many different ways. And sometimes we'll talk about what we're reading and I'll share with him a book that I'm reading and he'll come back to me and he'll say, Dwight, you, you got to read the whole book. I, I, I appreciate you lifting out this principle or you're lifting out this truth, but you need to take in the whole book. And he wasn't saying I was wrong. He was just saying, hey, you know what? You're a little bit incomplete. You need to take it in the whole context of what the author was saying and don't cherry pick. Sometimes we do that with the Christmas story, don't we? We don't take in the whole story. We kind of cherry pick. We like Jesus in the manger, don't we? I don't know if we like him on the throne. What happens is we, we take bits and pieces of a story, but we need to know the whole story because without knowing the whole story, you can't connect all the dots. And so you need the Christmas story. I need the Christmas story. Our world needs the Christmas story unedited. You see, there's times, if you're honest, okay, that when you tell a story, you leave some of the parts out, don't you? You've done that with your spouse, right? Don't look to the left or the right, okay? But you've done that with your spouse. You didn't tell all the story. Or maybe with mom and dad, you didn't tell all the story. Or maybe when your boss asked, hey, what happened? What went on here? You didn't tell all the story. And once they hear the story, they kind of respond and they say, don't you think it would have been better if you would have told me that? You left out this critical part. You left out this essential part. It would have been much better for us if you would have told me the whole complete story. And I believe that happens with the Christmas story. I believe that we pick and choose and we leave out critical parts of the Christmas story. And so we don't get the unedited story. And I want to help you with that today. I want to make sure that you get the details. I want to make sure that you don't just get the cliff notes, that you don't just get part of the story, but you get the whole complete story because it's a story of great news for all people. It's a story of great joy for all people. Some of us don't believe that. It's a story of great news for your ex who cheated on you. Y'all okay? It's great news for the dad who left you. Maybe you've never met him. 
but it's good news for him. It's good news for that person who abused you emotionally, spiritually, physically, sexually. It's good news. It's, it's good news for everyone. Everyone. It's good news for me. It's good news for you. It's good news for all of mankind. And sometimes we don't believe that. Sometimes we don't trust in that because we unedit it. We edit it, excuse me. And, and, and we just say, you know what? It's good news for me, but it's not good news for them. God, how could you love them? How could you forgive them? How could you? And what happens is we end up cherry picking. And what I want us to do is I want us just to kind of walk through this story one more time. And I'm asking you to take a fresh look as though it's your first look. And I want us to move from scene to scene. And hopefully you'll let it sink in. You'll embrace it not only for you, but the people in your life, the people who you live with. And ask yourself this question, have I really allowed this to sink in or have I edited parts of the Christmas story? Have I fully embraced it about a king that was predicted, who was needed, and he didn't remain a baby, but he grew into a man who lived a perfect life that I could never live, and then he died a death that I was deserving of, and that he wasn't just a baby, he wasn't just a great teacher, he wasn't just a moral leader, he wasn't just a, an extraordinary rabbi, he was a king, a promised king. And he offers forgiveness to you and me. He invites you and I to come into his kingdom of righteousness and of peace and of joy. Sometimes we forget that, don't we? We forget that he is a king. We like to keep him as a baby because that's more controlling on our part. When you're dealing with a king who has all authority and all power and no rival and no equal, that's something different. And so let's take a look as Luke helps us to walk through the Christmas story unedited, Let's just embrace all of it. And then you need to decide where you stand. Then you need to decide what you truly believe. But don't make it on a part of the story or pieces of the story. Understand the whole story and then decide, do I want this king? Do I want to be a part of his kingdom? Do I want to be able to experience his benefit of peace and joy and right relationships? So here's what Luke says. It'll come up on the screen. It says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. We sung about that. And he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and the kingdom will never, ever end. Isaiah prophesied that 700 years earlier. Think of that, 700 years earlier. And Jesus hasn't come yet. Jesus hasn't come yet. It's been promised, it's been prophesied, but he hasn't come yet. And the first scene of the Christmas story is the promise of faith. It's the promise of faith that they will be a Messiah, 
and his name will be Jesus, and he will be wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he will be lying in a manger. We have the promise of faith, believe. And Mary hears this announcement, and she had to ask this question, just like you and I have to ask questions. Do I really believe this will happen or not? Do I really believe that I'll conceive a child without being physically with a man? Do I believe that he will be the son of God? Do I believe that he is the Messiah? And Joseph and her both had to believe. They had to exercise faith. And you say, what is faith? Well, Hebrews eleven six says it like this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who what? Earnestly seek him. Wow. And Mary and Joseph, they sought out God and he rewarded them. And he gives you and I promises of faith, but we have to believe them. He promises that if you will accept him, he will forgive you of all of your sins and that he'll remove guilt and shame no matter what you have done. No matter what you have done, he will do that. The question is, do you believe that? You see, Faith is a prerequisite to following Jesus. You have to believe that he existed. You have to believe that he died and that he rose again. And it's not blind faith because when God told Mary what was going to happen, he told her this. He said, hey, you know what? Your cousin Elizabeth has prayed and prayed that she would have a child and she never did. And now in her old age, she is six months pregnant. Go talk to her and she will verify what I am telling you. And so as we've learned in this series, and if you haven't been here, I encourage you to download it. She goes to Elizabeth and she finds out, you know what? She is pregnant and she's gonna give birth to one of Jesus's cousins. His name's gonna be John the Baptist. And so when it comes to leading by faith, okay, God will give you evidence. And he wants you and I to lead and to live by faith, even though we don't know what the future holds. I don't know what 2023 holds, but I know who holds the future. And the angel said, Mary, you're going to have a baby and the Holy Spirit is gonna come upon you and you're gonna conceive. Do you believe? Do you believe? And Mary and Joseph had to believe. And guess what? If you're gonna be a part of this kingdom, if Jesus is gonna be your king, you're gonna to have to believe in him and earnestly seek him. Earnestly seek him by faith, by faith. So you know what God says to you and me? Be generous and I'll bless you. And you say, well, that's not how accounting works. I gotta take care of me first. And Jesus says, trust me on this one. Trust me on this one. God says, hey, you know what? Live a life of purity. Don't live together. Sex is for marriage between a man and a woman. It'll go well in your life if you do that. And you say, oh, come on, that's old fashioned. Are you kidding me? And Jesus says, believe me, trust me. We could go on and on down the list of where God asks you to do things that seem unconventional, that seems outdated. And just like Mary and Joseph, he says, will you believe me? Will you trust me? 
You see, God wants to birth something in you and through you, but you have to believe. Listen, listen to me. You get to choose how much God works in your life. Some of you think way too highly of me. You okay with that one? Huh? You think I'm special. I'm not special. Let me tell you what it is. It's faith. It's according to my faith. How much do you believe in God? I tell my kids all the time, I wish I could give you my faith. I can't. I can't believe for you. <laughs> I can pray for you. And so the promise, faith. Listen, listen to me. Faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he has promised to do. And so by faith, you know what I want you to do? Before you leave today, as you leave, I want you to pick out a card. It's at all of our exits. And I want you to invite a friend to Christmas Eve service. And you're saying, Dwight, they'll think I'm weird. They'll think I'm religious. I don't know if by faith do that. And God is already preparing their hearts. Do you know that most people, nine out of 10 people will come to a church if somebody will invite them. But what happens is we don't operate in faith. And so we have this Christmas story. It's a crazy story. A virgin is going to give birth and it's crazy until Jesus shows up. And then when Jesus shows up, it's a game changer. And why did he show up? Because of the faith and the belief of Joseph and Mary. And so if you're a Christ follower today, what evidence in your life are you giving to the people around you that you believe in Jesus Christ and him alone? You see, I want to encourage you to be able to do that. I want you to be able to see things as they are and say, you know what? I'm going to see things as he would have them to be, and I'm going to pursue them, and I'm going to go after them, and I'm going to believe him for them. And then what happens is this God that you've never seen and you've never heard will become very, very real to you because he'll begin to move and work in your heart and life, and he'll begin to birth things through you that otherwise you could not do because they're supernatural. Now, you might be here this morning, and you might not be a Christ follower, and you might say, Dwight, I think all of this stuff is crazy. I have a problem with this, and I have a problem with that. Well, here's the thing. Listen, all of us live by faith. You're trusting in something. If you're not trusting in God, you're trusting in yourself. And so I would just ask you this question. Whatever you're trusting is, is it credible? Is it stable? Is it secure? Can it be taken away from you? And so we see the first scene of the Christmas story is one of faith. And the story of the King of Kings was one of faith until he showed up. Because here's what we learn in the Christmas story. There was a census that was taken. And Mary and Joseph traveled on a donkey and they went to a place called Bethlehem. And because of the census, they found that there was no room in the end. And here's, here's what Luke has to say. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. You know what this is? This is the fulfillment. This is trust. This is trust. Faith has shown up in real time because they believe. Scene one is Jesus is going to come. Ha! 
When's he gonna come? You've been talking about that forever and ever and ever. 700 years ago, Isaiah prophesied that. You people are still believing that? You people are still thinking that he's going to come? And then the fulfillment came and he showed up. Game changer. Listen, whenever God shows up, it's a game changer. And that's scene two, the fulfillment, the trust. Now what happens is their faith has led them to trust in God because faith is a byproduct or trust is a byproduct of faith. When you trust in God and you believe in God and it happens, what happens is your faith begins to grow. And all of us here today, in one way or another, you've watched God do this over and over again. And he's built confidence in your life. Why? Because you can trust in the character of God because God is a promise keeper. He will do what he has promised to do. And he promised a king, a Messiah, and that he would come by faith through a virgin. But you have to believe. And he says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born unto you and he's lying in the manger. And it actually happened. And some of us here today, we don't have very much trust in God. You know why? Because you don't walk by faith. You don't walk by faith. I'll believe it when I see it. How's that working for you? You see, we don't experience God coming through, so we don't know if we can trust him. That's what I tell my kids. I wish I could give you my faith. I wish I could give you my trust in God. But for that to happen, you'd have to have my story. For that to happen, you'd have to have the scenes in my life of where I've trusted God when I could not see his hand, but I knew that his heart was good and that he was faithful and that he would carry me through. And I have countless reasons to believe God and to trust God. I got one story after another story. But sometimes I have to confess, I'm like my friend who wrote a book. God has never failed me yet, but he sure has scared me a few times. But God's never failed me yet. And because of that, I trust him. I trust him even when I can't see his hand. Do you know that every time God promises, he delivers? Do you know that throughout the Christmas story and that which is surrounded about Jesus Christ, there's over 300 prophecies that have been fulfilled? And the Christmas story says to you and me, by faith, you have to believe. It comes by faith. I will come and I will come through a virgin and his name will be called Emmanuel. His name will be called Jesus and he will forgive his people of their sins. And he did all of that so that you and I would learn to trust him. That's why we have God's word. Because you know what? Listen, your relationship with anybody is no greater than the trust that you have in them and the trust that they have for you. And so Jesus grew up and he predicted his own death and resurrection. You know anybody who's done that? And so let me ask you, do you trust him? If you don't trust him, what's keeping you from trusting him? Well, Dwight, you know, I grew up in a quote-unquote Christian home and my mom and dad went to church, but I never saw Jesus in them. Are you gonna let that stop you? Or you know what, I went to church and I got hurt. You're gonna let this, I'm not offering your dad, I'm not offering your mother, I'm not offering the church, I'm offering you Jesus. He is the one. He's the one that we are called to believe in and to trust in. Your dad will fail you. I've told my kids, I failed my kids. I've told them that. Your mom will fail you. Your boss will fail you. I'll fail you. The church will fail you. But Christmas isn't offering those things. 
Christmas is offering you all, okay? Christmas is offering you Jesus, the perfect one. And so we have the promise, we have the faith scene, and then we have the fulfillment, the trust scene. Look at what it says here. It says, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Check this out. But Mary treasured and pondered them in her heart. What? All those things. Wow. That's why I can get emotional. This past week, as I was preparing this, I sat there and I started pondering the things in my own life. A young father, 32 years of age, diagnosed with cancer, had a malignant tumor removed. At the age of 40, have five bypasses, four kids, all under the age of 10. Here I am today, going to turn 62. Never thought I'd live to be 50. I remember when I had cancer, I cried out to God, and I said, God, I got a daughter who's three months old. I want to walk her down the aisle. I want to give her away. For some reason, he allowed that to happen. And these shepherds, they they had an encounter with Jesus. They saw him, and it said that they went away glorifying him and praising him and worshiping him. And Mary, when she pondered all the things in her own heart that God had done for her and given her, guess what? Guess what? She worshiped. She worshiped. She had an encounter. And when you have an encounter with God, it leads you to one thing. It leads you to worship him. And that's a humbling thing because you come before him and you know that you're not worthy. You're not worthy of what he's given you and what he's blessed you with. And the shepherds and the wise men and even Mary and Joseph, they encountered the almighty God and they worshiped him without any instructions. Nobody told them to raise their hand. Nobody told them to bow. Nobody told them to do anything. They just worshiped him. And here you have shepherds, the forgotten, rejected people of their time. And God was saying, you can have an encounter with me. I've come from, for everyone. And we might say, well, what about this group? And what about that group? Jesus would say, hey, the Christmas story unedited is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He's for everyone. And we're all worshipers when we encounter Jesus. You see, all of us here today, we're worshiping someone or something. You have something first in your life and whatever you have first in your life, that's your God. It might not be the big, the big G, it's a small G. And, and, and you're worshipers. I'm a worshiper. The question is, who are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? And so we, 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 we see here that they encountered Jesus and they worshiped him. Look what it says here. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures and presented 
They, they had opened their treasures and they presented gifts to him, gold of frankincense and myrrh. You see, listen, when you encounter Jesus, when you encounter the living God, when you encounter the one in whom we sung to and sung about today, there's only one response. You know, people, people sometimes would say, well, you know what? Hey, I thought that was entertainment this morning. You get to choose whether you're entertained when you come here or not. We don't. What happens on the stage does not determine whether you're entertained or whether you're led in worship. You get to choose whether you worship or whether you're entertained. You say, what makes the difference? Obedience. If you come here and God speaks to you and you, and, and you just kind of quench his spirit, then you've just been entertained. You're a religious person. But if you've come here and God asks something of you and you say, yes, Lord, I'll do that, increase my faith, then what happens is you have worshiped. And the wise men, they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why? Because that was their natural response. That was their natural response. And so it should be with you and me. You see, listen, King Herod believed in Jesus, right? He was afraid of Jesus. He believed in Jesus. He just didn't worship Jesus. Many people believe in Jesus. You just don't worship Jesus. And so don't let anything keep you from believing and worshiping in Jesus. No relationship. No relationship. Don't allow the disappointment of people who even call themselves Christ followers to keep you from following Jesus. If you're going to reject Jesus, listen to me. If you're going to reject Jesus, base it on the fact of who he is, not what people have said, not what people have done or haven't done. It's too important. The stakes are too high. Now, most people think that this is the end of the story. You have the promise, the faith, you have the fulfillment, the trust, you have the encounter, the worship, but it's not, it's not. Look at this right here, okay? This, this is incredible. You need to realize and remember that if you leave a part of the story out, you've edited and you're not getting all the facts. You see, what happens is this, eight days later after Jesus was born, they took him to a synagogue. Why? To be circumcised. Why? Because they were good Jews. They were good Jews. And when they went there, look at what it says here. This, this is amazing, okay? Simeon. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, for you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. You know why? Because they had received the promise and they're experiencing the fulfillment. And now they've encountered the Messiah God in the flesh, Emmanuel, and they're worshiping him. And, and, and Simeon had asked God, don't let me die until I have seen and experienced the Savior of the world. Goes on, says, then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, listen to this, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. Wow. And to be a sign that will be spoken against 
so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul as well. Listen, listen to me. What Simeon is saying is that Jesus came into the world to draw a line in the sand. He's forcing people to choose. You're either for me or you're against me. You can't be neutral. And we learned that. People loved him and people hated him. People accepted him and people rejected him. People killed him and nailed him to a tree. And here's the last scene of the Christmas story. It's the reality. And it leads you to surrender. You see, listen, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, but he came into this world, came in this world to draw a line in the sand. Who are you for? Are you for Jesus or are you against Jesus? Y'all okay? None of this, none of this half stuff. See, Jesus is the one who divides. He's the one who forces you to choose. And the Christmas story is all about the love story of God, inviting you and I into a relationship with him. But he's also the one who exposes the hearts and the motives and the actions of people. Look at this as we close. Matthew records what Jesus said. He's no longer a baby. Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father. Wow. A daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemy will be those of his own household. Y'all okay? Have you read this part of the Christmas story? Or have you edited it out? He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. But he who finds his life and loses it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Wow. You know what Christmas is all about? Let me tell you what Christmas is all about. It's about the most accepting person who ever walked on the face of the earth and the most demanding person who ever walked on the face of the earth. Simon says, or Simeon says, he will pierce the heart of many. You know why? He won't let you stay neutral. He's calling you out. He's calling me out. Would you want to worship a king that's not worthy of being worshiped? Would you want to worship a king who doesn't have all authority in heaven and on earth? When you think about Christmas, take in the whole story. Yeah, take in the baby Jesus. Take in Mary and Joseph. Take in the manger. Take in the wise men. Them bringing gold and frankincense and myrrh. But don't stop there. Read the whole story, as my friend would say. Don't read the cliff notes. He's a king. And he calls for your allegiance. He calls for your surrender. And so we have the promise, the faith. We have the fulfillment, the trust. We have the encounter. We have the worship. But then we have the reality, and that is surrender. Have you surrendered to him? If not, you're not living out the Christmas story. God takes full responsibility for the man or the woman who is fully surrendered to him. That's kingdom living. That's kingdom living. 
Many of us don't have peace of mind. We don't have joy because you know what? We're not living in the kingdom. We want the benefits of the kingdom. We just don't want the king to be king. We want to be Herod. We want to be king. We want to call the shots. And Christmas story doesn't work that way. So if you're going to reject Jesus, reject him for being the king and just say, I want to be king of my life. I don't want anybody else to be king of my life. Just re reject him on, on the reality of who he is. Don't reject him because somebody disappointed you or somebody hurt you or the church didn't live up to what it said. Because the Christmas story isn't about those people. It's about one person. His name's Jesus. And he loves you and he wants the best for you. We're going to celebrate communion. Think of that. What's communion? It's him inviting you and I into his kingdom, into his lordship. I trust that you'll live out the whole Christmas story and not just a part of it. Would you pray with me? Maybe you're here today and maybe this is the first time that you've really heard the whole Christmas story, that it's much, much more than just about a baby in a manger. It's much, much more than just about three wise men and some shepherds. No, it's about a baby who was born, who was prophesied, who came and fulfilled that. And then he fulfilled a perfect life. And then he predicted his own death and his own resurrection. And now he stands before us. He has no rival. He has no equal. He is the king of kings. And he invites you and me to live in his kingdom and experience his righteousness, his peace, and his joy. If you've never done that, you can just say a simple yet life-transforming prayer. Jesus, as much as I understand, I want you to be my king. I want you to call the shots. I not only want to worship you, I want to surrender to you. And I surrender my life, all that I am to you. Be king of kings and Lord of lords. And it's in his name we pray and we give thanks. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.